Good morning, everyone. It's Steph here. Before we begin, I just want to take a moment and honor and thank the senior leadership team. As you may have heard, the SLT has graciously gifted me some extended annual leave so that I can go to Texas and see my family. This is a massive blessing. It's been a few years since I've seen my family. Um, so thank you, SLT. It is truly a privilege to serve with you. I love you all. Um, and thank you, church family, for letting me go and do this. I love you all as well. And I'm excited to come back, hopefully a little more tan, and definitely ready to crack on and do the work God has before us. So let's get into it. If you've been with us those last few Sundays, you know we've been talking about waiting. What does it mean to wait? How do we wait? And when I think of waiting, I think of back in the olden days, <laughs> before Netflix and Amazon Prime and all of that, where you had to wait a whole seven days to see the newest episode of your favorite TV series. You had to wait a whole seven days, none of this box popping up in the corner saying next episode playing in five, four, three. If there was a cliffhanger or an unresolved storyline or something that just made you laugh, you had to wait to see it happen. Now, when we were watching shows like that, can you imagine if instead of when the episode ended, getting up, maybe going to bed, going on with our day, we stayed where we were if in waiting for this new episode, we sat on our couches in lounge chairs, eyes locked on the blank screen until it turned on again, still stagnant, staring at the screen until the familiar intro rolled on, a whole seven days had passed and it was time for the show again. That would be silly. That would be ridiculous. However, I think there's times where you and I, we have that posture spiritually. We get a prophecy or a promise from the Lord and we lock our eyes onto it and we stay there. Until that thing is fulfilled, we stare at it. We refuse to move from standing in front of it and life just happens around us. Now it is a beautiful thing to receive a promise from the Lord and I would encourage you, hold on to that but I believe God doesn't want us to wait in stillness, to stand still and stare at what is to come and miss all that he's doing in the waiting. God wants to encourage us today, you and me, waiting is building and planting. Waiting is building and planting because waiting is active. If you look throughout scripture, there's this beautiful thing where hope and wait are interchangeable because God's trying to tell us something here. It is alive, active. It is a partnership with God. So we can see waiting as this weird limbo stage, this stagnant place we must stand until the end has arrived, or we can see it as a wonderful, living, active opportunity to roll our sleeves up and build and plant alongside the Lord. A beautiful example of this is found in the book of Jeremiah. Now it starts in Jeremiah 24, but you may be more familiar with Jeremiah 29. A lot of us know verse, uh, chapter 29 because of verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for a future and a hope for good and not for destruction. 
That's a verse a lot of us hold on to while we wait that's spoken over us in seasons of waiting. But I want to set that aside for the time being because it casts our eyes ahead. And I want us instead to look around together at what God is doing in the waiting. So let's look at Jeremiah together. We're going to start in chapter 24. Chapter 24, we find the prophet Jeremiah being spoken to, to by the Lord about what he's going to do in the lives of the Israelites. So this is before they're taken into the captivity. We find them in, in later chapters. And he's speaking to Jeremiah about what is ahead and why it's coming and what he is going to do in that season. So let's turn to chapter 24 together. I'm going to be reading from the common English Bible version. So we're going to start in verse 4 of 24. It says, Then the Lord said to me, The Lord, the God of Israel, proclaims, Just as with these good figs I will treat kindly the Judean exiles that I have sent from this place to Babylon. I regard them as good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not pull them down. I will plant them and not dig them up. I will give them a heart to know me. For I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their hearts. Here, God is saying, I am sending these people into exile, into a season of waiting, because I want to build them up. I want to plant them deeper so that they can know me more with their whole heart. That is what God is promising for his end of this waiting seasons. And though this is written to a specific people at a specific time, I believe there is a promise for us today. This is what God is doing in our waiting. He isn't just sending us off to keep us busy until the end comes. What he is doing is saying, in this season of waiting, I will build, I will plant. But he asks something of us as well. See, a few chapters later, in 29, we find the Israelites and the prophet Jeremiah talking again. And Jeremiah is speaking to them about their captivity. They've been exiled to Babylon already. They're facing God knows how many years of this. And they're looking for a word from God. God, what do we do? Where are you? When will we get out of this? And Jeremiah, speaking from the Lord, says, starting in verse 4 of chapter 29, the Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims to all exiles, I have carried off from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Cultivate gardens and eat what they produce. Get married and have children. Then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that you, they too may have children. Increase in number so that you don't dwindle away. Promote the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because your future depends on its welfare. The Lord proclaims, verse 10, When Babylon's 70 years are up, I will come and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. 
When you call me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. When you search for me, yes, search for me with all your heart, you will find me. I will be present for you, declares the Lord, and I will end your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have scattered you, and I will bring you home after your long exile, declares the Lord. A few chapters after God's promises, saying, I will build, I will plant, he sends his prophet to the Israelites to ask them to join him and build and plant. He asks them in a season where all they want to do is move forward, get out of where they are into the end's goal, the purpose and the hope. He says, wait, build and plant. And what we see between these two chapters is a beautiful partnership because that's what waiting is all about. It's not about reaching perfection. It's about partnering with God. He promises to build and plant and he asks us to roll up our sleeves and join him in it, to journey through it with him. And in that journey, what will we find? As both 24 and 29 tell us, we will turn to the Lord with all our hearts. 29 explores that more. We will hear him more, feel his presence more. When we seek him, we will find him more. We are being drawn closer to God by being drawn into partnership with him as we wait. And he makes the journey worth it. Last year, I had the privilege of going to the FA Cup semifinal. It was Watford versus Wolves, and it was an incredible game. Now, um, it started out a bit rough for Watford. <laughs> um, towards the end of the first half, you had the Wolves score one, and then early into the second half, they scored another. I think it was about 62 minutes in. And around that time, um, 62 minutes in when it was 2-0 and Watford was struggling, they had a few close goals but weren't quite there yet, I noticed around me a lot of fans started to leave. You know, they realized, you know, yeah, we've got about 30 minutes left, but the way the game is going, we're not going to win. Um, so let's head out um, while we can, maybe get a chippy quite early, get some rest. And as the fans started to leave, we stayed and watched the game and it was frustrating for a bit. And then 17 minutes left in the game, Delafeo scores. He brings Watford up one, so it's 2-1. The crowd starts to get a little excited again. And yet people still continued to leave. Maybe they thought, you know, well, 2-1, great, we scored a goal, but we're still going to lose. There's only 17 minutes left. And then with 90 seconds to go, Dini gets fouled and he scores a penalty goal. Evening it out, 2-2, two, two, forcing us to go into extra time. And as we go into that extra time, it's a fierce battle. And then finally, 14 minutes into extra time, Delafeo gets a pass from Gray and scores again and brings a comeback for what for 3-2, getting them the win. Extra time runs out, Watford is going to the final, everyone's losing their mind around me, I'm losing my mind. It was a wonderful time. Now I'm not just relaying this to you to relive Watford's glory, 
but because I think there's something interesting for us here in the fans. See, the fans that left 62 minutes in, they aren't going to feel the excitement and glory and pure joy that those of us who waited until past the 20th extra minute stayed. Because they weren't there for the goal from Dini and the second goal from Delafeo, the thrill, the journey, the highs and lows, they couldn't appreciate it. It was just a score to them. But for those of us who were there, who sat on the edge of our seats, who shouted and cheered them on and felt the revelry of the crowd and the sadness of the Wolves fans in the arena, we, we appreciated it deeper. And we came out of that game, you know, more committed to the team, more excited for the final, really feeling the full glory of what we had just experienced. I believe the same can happen for us with God. We can check out, we can leave and be passive fans of the Lord and say, I'll come back when I know the final score, when the end has come and the promise has been fulfilled. But we will miss out on the full glory of God if we don't choose to stay and build and plant, to invest, to engage, to cheer alongside God, to go through the highs and the lows with him. In the end, it will just be another ticked off promise, another win. But if we stay, it'll be an amazing journey, a memory that we can look back on and think, yes, that was incredible. We can feel the thrill and the um, re rejoicing and worship that we felt as it happened. That is what God has for us. That is why he invites us to wait by building and planting. By getting in the dirt with him, rolling up our sleeves and getting to work, not to punish us or just to teach us some specific lesson, but so that we can draw near to him, journey with him and come out of it with foundations and deep roots so that we can be turned to him with our whole hearts. You know, that game turned me into a Watford fan. I turned from the team I was supporting, which we will not speak of, to Watford with my whole heart. Genuinely, I couldn't walk past the stadium without feeling like a traitor. God wants to do the same thing in us, to turn our whole hearts to him. And if we skip to the ends, we're going to miss that. So come on, let's not miss that. Let's not be passive and check out and just wait for the end to come, but let's be active. Let's build and plant together with God. So what are we building and planting? Are we building homes and cultivating gardens like God's word says, or are we pitching tents and keeping our roots shallow? It's easy to pitch tents and have shallow roots because then we're mobile, we're ready to go, but nothing strong or fruitful can come from those things. Nothing good can be built off a tent. No fruit comes from shallow roots. It may make us mobile, but when we get to the ends, we won't see the fruit and the building happen. We'll have to start from square one again. 
But if we take the time to build and plant as we wait alongside the Lord, not because we have the skills and the strength necessary, but because we are partnering with the Almighty God, we will see amazing things built, amazing fruit produced. And when we are in a new season, when the waiting is over, we will be ready to flourish. And it won't just be for us. You know, I ask, what are we building? But can I ask, what are you building with your church family? Because God speaks in these passages of children, of building homes, of planting things in the gardens, not only of our hearts, but in our cities to pray for the welfare because this isn't just about us. We don't just wait for us, we wait for other people. We are setting up, building and planting for other generations and for our communities around us. So how are you building with your church family? Maybe as you wait for us to physically gather again, how are you planting yourself in the city and communities around you? You know, we've never been more connected than in lockdown, weirdly. If you notice, you'll see people using their corner shops more, neighbors depending on one another, even though we weren't able to physically meet with our neighbors and in our communities, people have been reaching out. You see people um, help each other out when they had maybe just exchanged highs before. I know the name of my local um, budget store clerks now. How are you investing in the garden around you? God is asking us to build and plant. So what are we building and planting? I want us to finish by praying together. Let's do that. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your promise um, of not just what is to come, but what you are doing now. And Lord, we, we apologize. Lord, we repent for the times that we have stayed still and stagnant, where we have waited for something to come instead of actively partnering with you in this waiting. Please forgive us for the times where we have pitched tents instead of build foundations, where we have kept ourselves unentangled and shallowly rooted in places that you have asked us to dig into. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us now be the strength and power in which we use to lay foundations, to dig ourselves in, not just into our own walk with you, but into our communities, our families, our neighborhoods. Waiting is building and planting with you, God, and we want to do that now. So turn our hands and our hearts to that work so that we may come out of it with our hearts fully turned to you, fully reveling and recognizing your glory and good works. In your name we pray, amen.